Our scripture reading from the Gospel of John is long. It's um, John chapter 11, verses 1 through 45. Um, But it's the story of Lazarus, and it's one that's worth reading all the way through again. And before we read it, just want to mention a thing and, and, and ask you a question. Have you ever been surprised in a way that was just overwhelming? Like, like beyond what you could have imagined was coming. You, you opened up the box and it was like, oh my goodness. Like, I think most of us have had the, the, the gift of experiencing that in, in some way or another. It, you know, as if we're on the Price is Right and, and we weren't expecting it, but they opened the doors and the guy at the announcement says, and it's a new car, right? Like, we all, we all have at least heard that. I, I think that this passage, in a way, is about something kind of like that. Like it's beyond what Martha can imagine. The passage from Ezekiel is is beyond what Ezekiel can imagine, that, that dry bones laying dead in a valley can be reconstructed, come back to life. I think Jesus raising Lazarus to new life is that greatest great gift that is beyond what they could have imagined, and so it's definitely worth paying attention to, especially because too often I think we get stuck thinking about just the little things that might keep something big from happening. So look at the little things that kind of get in Martha's way. Think about the big things that God is trying to do as we consider a reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 11, verses 1 through 45. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and and wiped his feet with her hair, and her brother, brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death, rather it is for God's glory so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, through, uh, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after he said to his disciples, then after this he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and are you going there again? And he answered, are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble because they see the light of this world. But those who walk at night stumble because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to awaken him. And the disciples said, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will be okay. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought he was referring merely to sleep. And Jesus told them plainly, Look, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you too may believe. But let us go to him. Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let's also go, that we may die with him. 
When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been dead in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had just been there, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately that the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and she went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews were with her in the house consoling her. The ones who were there, they saw Mary get up and go out quickly. They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came to Jesus and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, the Jews who came with her also were weeping. And he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said, Lord, come, come and see. And Jesus began to weep. The Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a, a cave with a stone laying against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, there's, there's a stench because he's been there for four days. Jesus said to her, did I, not, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. And many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, then believed in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There's a phrase that we use. We all, I think, probably fall into the, the trap of using it. And we think it's helpful to use the phrase, but it's, ultimately it's really not. The phrase is, if we could just. You've used this. Oh, if we could just. If I could just. If they could just. It enters all manner of conversations. 
And so for the sake of simplicity, let's talk about how it enters sports when our teams lose. If Duke could just have played a good second half, they might have beat South Carolina. If the Carolina Hurricanes could just have finished a couple of those games in November where they led by three goals, maybe they'd be in the playoffs. If the wind could just stop blowing, I think I'd be a better golfer. And all of the state of Oregon tonight is thinking, if our guys could just have gotten a rebound off a missed free throw, maybe, just maybe. If we could just, if they could just, if, if, if I could just, is this common statement, but it too often is short-sighted. It doesn't properly account for the whole situation. Usually, if we could just represents a way to get bailed out of something. It's an admission that though things didn't go properly all the way through, we still got a chance to get the ending right if just one thing happens correctly. And while that may be true for like a single putt on the golf course or a single free throw in a basketball game, and while I do not want to underestimate the benefit of catching a break when you really need it. A life lived under the umbrella with the constant refrain, if we could just, is no way to live. And I do think there's something about this Lazarus passage that pushes hard against that today. Because the truth of our lives and our faith is that when it comes to to having a significant faith, a meaningful relationship with God, and 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 a community of believers that is vibrant in its fellowship, in its service, in in its worship, well, if we could just, doesn't really need to be a part of the conversation. Because Jesus is clearly up to more in John 11 than, than a small tweak than being at one instance in the right place at the right time. And in changing one thing or adjusting an action or an expectation in a marginal sort of way, Jesus is about, he's about resurrection and a new kind of life. The Lord's work sometimes is not about the small changes that make a huge difference. And on the last Sunday before Palm Sunday and then Easter Sunday, when the scriptures we read are are Ezekiel bringing dry bones back to life and a dead person walking out of a grave, I think we ought to see that that the God we're gathered to worship isn't thinking, if I could just dot, 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 anything. God is headed towards something much bigger than can be contained in any sentence that, in, that starts with, if we could just. And that is good news for us. That is good news for the world. The Old Testament reading, in this Old Testament reading that Chris beautifully described and Marty read well, we read of God putting back together, reassembling the bodies of what we thought were dead. I love Ezekiel's 
response. God says to him, can these bones be brought back to life? And, and Ezekiel doesn't say, well, if you could just put some tendons together, or if you could just put some skin on those bones. If you... Ezekiel admits, only you know, Lord, if this can be done. And so we read in verses 12 and 13 and 14, Thus says the Lord, I'm going to open up your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And you shall know that I'm the Lord when I open your graves and I bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you and you shall live. I will place you on your own soil. And then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act. Ezekiel stares over a barren valley of dry bones that represent these people. And though it might have been tempting for him to desire something less, God proclaims, I'm going to put these people back together. I will bring my people back. What you see is death. What you see is impossibility. But God says, I want to bring it all back. And this is no small thing that I'm doing. No, I'm bringing a big thing. New life and new hope. Good news to all the people. Even if they weren't ready to hear it. Now the reading from Lazarus is long. It's also familiar, right? We've heard this reading many times. We know that Lazarus comes out and Jesus yells, Lazarus, come out. And the preacher always has to decide, how loud do I yell it when I'm reading it? Cindy and I talked this week, you know, we could have gone all spiritual when it comes to the music as well, because we love uh, the dry bones, them dry bones, them dry bones, right? And, and poor man Lazarus or old man Lazarus. We love these memorable songs. They, they evoke something in us. And we love these stories because of the great promise that they hold about what it is that God's going to do. Now I know that Jesus tarries a bit as he's waiting to go get to Lazarus. And I know that he says it's for the glory of God that he does it. But I, I don't know why he didn't get there faster. i got to admit that. I don't know why he took his time. I don't know why he didn't heal Lazarus from afar, except to just show how grand a thing he was doing. We know he has healed people without being present before. Go, your faith has made you well, or, or your faith has healed your daughter who isn't even here. Jesus has done all kinds of other things in other ways. I don't know about all the details of this one, but we do know the big detail, don't we? The big plot twist is that God's going to do something really great, really amazing. He's going to bring life from death, the resurrection of the dead, right in front of these Jews who were gathered. He's going to reassemble dry bones and, and, and take something that we saw and knew for a fact was dead for four days in the grave, wrapped up, prepared, put away. And it's an amazing, big thing. It, it's something 
that even the people who had walked with Jesus and had seen him perform miracles did not dare to believe was possible. They were stuck, I guess, maybe, thinking small. Consider the responses. You heard Martha's response, right? In verse 21, Martha says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. In verse 32, Lord, if you had just been here, my brother would not have died. Mary and Martha both say this. They knew that he could heal. But they thought that healing was limited to those who were alive. They had hope in the eternal resurrection. They believed in that. But but a a resurrection that involves rolling away a stone while here on earth, it was too much. And they were left thinking, Lord, if you had just been here. And then this small-minded, kind of limited outlook plays itself out at the end in a way that's even funnier at least funny to the preacher, where Jesus says, okay, roll away the stone, and you heard Martha's response, right? He's been there four days. He's going to smell bad. Think about the contrast in what's happening. Jesus is bringing a dead person back to life, and Martha is concerned about the smell. Isn't it silly? Isn't it silly that Jesus is doing something huge, and she's missing the big picture? She's failing to catch the glimpse, catch the vision of the new life that God is trying to bring about around her. And I point this out not to make Martha the foil or the wrong end of the joke or the enemy. I point it out because God's ready to do something big and huge and amazing in her life. God's ready to do something significant. God is ready to bring about resurrection. And she's caught up on the little details about thinking how it might not be possible. She's thinking about all of the reasons why it couldn't happen. And she's doing what it is that we often do. We are a whole lot more like Martha sometimes than we are like Jesus, right? Too often we get tripped up in the small details. We get, we get caught on the small things that could get in the way. We see a thousand reasons why something can't happen instead of living into the reasons why God wants to make something happen. We look around our life, our faith, our church, and we say, there's no money, or no one will help, or we don't have time, or it's too much of a liability. But is there anything in these passages, this passage, a week before Palm Sunday, two weeks before Easter, that tells us that God is worried about the small problems? God's got big things going on. Big gifts for his people. God is going to raise a person to life. God is going to raise God's self to life. And God is concerned about making that happen 
not worrying about the million reasons that could get in the way of that happening. God wants to bring about new life. And Martha says, you know, it might smell. It's, it's, it's good to take the humor in that. It's good to take the humor in that and to, to absorb it and realize sometimes we miss the point. When we think about life and the future and change and hope and the possibilities that God calls us to, do we think about the minuscule adjustments that are going to get us through? Is God concerned with those little things? I don't think God wants us to be tripped up on the little things. Because God brought Lazarus out of the tomb and there's no mention of smell afterwards in the rest of the gospel. And so I think today, maybe the message is that God, God is interested in a new kind of life. It's possible that God wants us to throw away the, the ways we think something is impossible and instead consider through God's power what is possible. God might want us to look around our world and look around with all that we've been given and look around at the blessings we have and the families we, we have and the friends who are around us and the, the church that brings us all together. And, and God wants us to not be like Martha. Not because Martha's bad, but because we've already played that game. God wants us to do more than just a little. God's ready for a big, amazing, powerful resurrection. Right? God brings a new kind of life for those who embrace it. And God brings a new kind of life for others for whom, with whom we can share it. And so Ezekiel says, Lord, only you can do that. And Martha says, if you, but, but if you had just... And I think we say, God, if you're going to do something big and powerful and amazing with us and through us, show us the way. So we put away that phrase that Martha says, if we could just. Because God is ready to do more than, than we can imagine. God has a new life for us all if we could just open ourselves up to it. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for being with us and for loving us and for carrying us forward and for helping us, for picking us up when we fall, for showing us the way. And Lord, and bringing us life. So Lord, this morning as we read about Lazarus and the way that you bring about new life and as we look ahead to what's to come in your resurrection, in your promise, and your love, help us to embrace the big dreams that you have for us. Embrace the real new kind of life that you have for all of us. And embrace that life in such a way that we can share that life with others who need it. As your people, may we see, and because we've seen, believe. 
Hear this in all of our prayers in the name of your resurrected Son who we follow and who we worship and who we want to be like and who is giving us a great gift. Jesus, our Lord.